Hello and welcome to the Robot Podcast. I'm Fran Scott, scientist, maker and massive engineering fan. Every week we'll be finding out how robots are pushing the boundaries and exploring the exciting future that robots can bring. From 3D printing buildings to simulated factories, from robots in education to those working in our retail warehouses, technology is completely transforming our everyday tasks and leading us towards a more innovative future. Construction is a big industry, like really huge. If we think of it this way, worldwide, the industry needs to build 13,000 buildings each day between now and 2050 to support an expected population of 7 billion people. And that's just those living in the cities. And as the world pays more and more attention to the climate and our consumption of energy, it's becoming more and more crucial that our construction is sustainable. In the UK alone, the construction industry accounts for 13.5 million tonnes of carbon dioxide emissions. So today we're going to be finding out how we're building a more sustainable construction industry and how robots are helping us to do just that. We'll be hearing from world-renowned architects Zaha Hadid, Ulf Hakkerson from Sweden's largest construction company, Skanska, and from ABB's very own Andrea Cassoni. But first, we start in Vienna. Daniela Mittenberger is an architect. She runs an architecture practice called MADE and is doing a PhD in human-machine collaboration in computational design and robotic fabrication. She is part of the team behind Magic Queen. And this was an installation at the 2021 Venice Banale. And it's a 3D printed landscape cared for by a robotic gardener. Mm -hmm, you heard that, a robotic gardener. Now here's Daniela to talk more about what exactly is possible when you get robots involved in garden maintenance. Magic Queen is a research on soil 3D printing. The most important thing with the Magic Queen is it has two key focus areas. The first focus area is sustainable fabrication. That means robotic sustainable fabrication with novel material systems that are entirely biodegradable. And the second big part of the Magic Queen is how this living material then sustains throughout after the process of fabricating. So also how we can integrate robots or machines in the building itself to sustain the building. Both of these things together discuss our relationship with nature, but also the relationship between technology and nature and how through combining these two things, we kind of develop a new natural system. So it's quite interesting. So the robotic gardener is the same robot that also fabricated it. So we like to switch the roles from the one who's fabricating it to the one who's uh, taking care of the structure. In the caretaking moment, the robot is equipped with machine vision system where we use machine learning algorithms to detect growth or cracks on the structure. At the same time, this algorithm is also able to detect humans and audience um, that are surrounding the structure. The robot is, besides the observation of the structure, is also watering, watering it in specific areas. By this, the robot is actually supporting the growth of specific plant species that were already integrated in the substrate or in the soil and supporting the growth of the, of the overall structure. 
The interesting thing with robots is that freedom when it comes to digital fabrication and when it comes to forms or aesthetics. Another big factor of robots is uh, on-site fabrication. That means the um, same thing as we did in the Biennale was we just brought the robots. The soil is coming directly from there. And this, I think, also shows this advantage of saying we need a tool. The tool is the robot. All the building materials we find directly on site, which means we didn't need to transport anything. This means we produced an installation with almost zero waste. And this is something that shows all the potential that we can have with biomaterials and robots, because we can stay and have all the advantages of digital fabrication and at the same time produce sustainable architecture. Hang on, hang on. So so Magic Queen has built structure out of soil, right? So, I don't know, is there some kind of future where we can actually just all live in houses that are sort of managed and maintained by a robot. That's exactly the beauty of soil. You take what you have on site, you can build it even by yourself if you have a robot. And you can extend or decrease the size of your building according to what you need. And this flexibility is something that um, these novel materials allow us to do and novel tools. So it would be nice if everyone had have a, a robot, you have a construction system. It's a tool that an inhabitant could use to extend or decrease the size of an architecture. I really like that idea. And I could just imagine, I don't know, using a robot that could build me an extra room in my house when guests come over for the festive season. Then when it's all done and New Year's on the way, they can take it down again. Brilliant. Before we get to that stage, though, right, it's important to understand why it's so crucial for the sustainability of construction to be taken seriously. Andrea Cassoni is Managing Director of Robotics and Discrete Automation at AVB. And I started by asking what exactly the situation in the construction industry is at this very moment. Well, the situation is complicated, I would say, Fran. It looks actually like a, almost a perfect storm. Well, first of all, construction is a huge industry. It's an industry which counts for something like 13 14% of global GDP. So it's huge. And uh, it has a number of challenges. First of all, people are getting more and more into cities. So the phenomenon called urbanization, right? There are estimates that, that says that something like 68% of the world population will be living in cities by 2050. Okay. So this gives a scale of the amount of buildings that we will need to host all these people in cities, in urban environment, right? Mm-hmm. So on one side, there is a booming market. On the other side, you know, this industry is a major consumer of energy you know, all across the value chain from you know, the way you, 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 you build a house or a building in general to the way a house or a building operates. Buildings account for 40% of global energy use. And at the same time, there are other challenges like workforce in that industry, health and safety in that industry. So it's challenging and very fascinating. So talk us through as to how robotics will help in the construction industry. In a number of ways. But I would say the fundamental one will be to support prefabrication. Prefabrication. So that's the sort of the the building of things off-site and then just bringing on ready-made Exactly. So the creation of part of the buildings off-site. Mm-hmm. We're talking about entire rooms, uh, complete structures, not just, you know, some components. And to, to picture wow. this, imagine, for example, 
an hotel. I think that's very easy to be to be pictured. You know, hotels have all same rooms, all same bathrooms. Definitely, you can make them in a factory, finish them, ship them to site, and stack one on top of the others. Of course, then you need to joint it, but that's how buildings can be made. So you're not just talking about a prefabricated wall. You're talking about an entire room. An entire room with walls, ceiling, flooring. Yes, absolutely. Doors, windows, definitely. And then wow. the connection between the various uh, volumetric units. Now, once you move from site, you know, from the construction site, open air, in, in, in weather, to factory-like environment, or actually to a factory, many things changes. You can definitely use automation. You can control your process in a completely different way. And you definitely reduce significantly the amount of waste. And this is very, very sustainable. So are these buildings, do they exist at the moment or is it just a concept? No, no, they exist. We have already factories now building uh, units, which actually get finished in the factory and then get shipped and stuck one on top of the others. By the way, we are evaluating a very important dimension of the future construction, which is prefabrication. It's not the only one. Automation will come also in other areas and in some cases also on-site, although this is more complicated because of the variables. But we already have robots working on-site doing some jobs, for example, which could be pretty dangerous. Uh, a good example is, you know, we got robots right now drilling in the elevator shaft so that then you can yes. put the elevator in the shaft. And that's a, a complex, delicate you know, work for, for a person. It's dark, it's at height, but for a robot, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so robots are doing that on site. What are they doing in the factories? Are they basically building these modules? Yes, they build the modules on factories. Then there is a way somehow in the middle. Because you can have robots in sort of, you know, control environment, like mini factories or mini uh, units close to site to make some kind of work into a control environment, but not in the open, in the, in the open air. We have already robots doing some kind of activity like 3D printing, concrete in this case, or cutting tiles, you know, close to site in a closed environment maybe in a movable mini, <laughs> let's say we can say a mini, mini factory to bring process control into the construction. So these, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get my head around it. So in these prefabricated units, the robots don't just make the big structure. The robots may be cutting the tiles, doing the tiling, like fixing the taps. Where does... <laughs> Where do they stop, I suppose? No, the fundamental part is making the structure. Right. Okay, making the structure with all the possible variables, you know, one door, two door, one window, one small window, a big window, doing the ceiling, doing the flooring, or if it is a, a steel structure, doing the welding, that's one part of the story. And the other one is activity that can be performed on site in addition to this one. And then it's really a matter of which type of building are we making is it a completely new one? Is it maybe a renovation? Because, you know, there is all kind of possible activity in construction, right? So there, there will be lots of new building, uh, considering the urbanization, but there will also be lots of renovation. 
because of maintenance and because we're looking for more sustainable building as well, right? So part of the job cannot be done in prefabrication. Must be anyway done on site. But sometimes robots can help there as well. One of the things that I really, really want to talk to you about and um, is this 3D printing because this just gets me super excited in terms of, I'm going to call it full-scale 3D printing. And I know we chatted a lot about that in Series 1. How's it going? How's it developed? How's it moved on since we last chatted? We continue to see development in that area. It happens on in, in two ways. One is the 3D printing of some elements of a house. Uh, you can do, for example, you know, non-linear walls, which is extremely, extremely difficult to do without automation, without robots, actually. So this continues to happen. But also now we see more and more entire homes 3D printed. So small, affordable housing, and they are popping up more and more around the globe. Lots of constructor uh, experimenting possibility in that sense. And this addresses you know, both uh, needs. A more sustainable world, because obviously with 3D printing, you just use, the, in this case, the concrete that you need. You, you know, the waste is, is minimized, but then also labor shortage. Some of the most visionary and forward-thinking constructions of the last 100 years, and some of my favorite, have been at the hand of Zaha Hadid Architects. This is, of course, the company formed by the legendary Iraqi architect Dame Zaha Hadid. And as we've heard, 3D printing and on-site fabrication are techniques of the future. So it totally figures that these are techniques that Zaha Hadid are incorporating into their projects. Two projects that we've been working on, like for the last year at least, kind of maybe exemplify this interest in physical and social sustainability. One is a project in in Honduras, which is a residential development, a pilot project, like it's on a remote island off of the coast of Honduras. And the other is a collaborative project with Block Research Group and Incremental 3D and Holdsim, which is a 3D concrete printed bridge, prototype for a bridge. So both these projects are kind of experimental, but they involve, on the one hand, like robotic manufacturing and the 3D concrete printer bridge. We are kind of reinventing or revisiting historic masonry principles and saying all the things that we we have discovered as a society with masonry construction can actually be upgraded and with the use of software and made relevant to to 3D concrete printing, which is in a way artificial stone. And the benefit of 3D concrete printing is that like you can make the stones hollow, right? Like, so you can precisely place material where it is needed. And the other benefit of masonry construction is that it can be dry, uh, dry jointed so that you don't need glue. So it can be reassembled, disassembled and reused, reassembled elsewhere. Additionally, this kind of masonry analogy also in, ensures that like the recyclability is also uh, improved so because typically in concrete the biggest problem of recycling concrete is its mixture with uh, steel so like in this particular bridge project we have separated concrete from steel in the structural design so which means that the concrete can be easily recycled and so can the steel and potentially we could also use low strength concrete 
if it were 3D printable, for example. So that's the 3D printed bridge project that like tries to exemplify these principles of integrated design and how that is instrumental and critical to achieve sustainable goals. And the Honduras side, like we get the users to participate in configuring their houses. So that means that they have input into the design. And so that should make the projects relevant or kind of sustainable in that sense, because we are designing with the end user in mind. So there's no surprises between what the user wants and what they get in the end which is typically not the case in in most residential buildings because the users barely have any input. And then on the construction side, we are working with the client and the client side company uh, that they've instituted, so-called Circular Factory, which is basically importing robots and using local timber and also local skills, labor skills in timber construction and concrete construction. So it's a hybrid like robot machine, human machine process of manufacturing and assembly. Me being me, I wanted to find out more about the projects ABB have been working on. So I spoke to Ulf Hackerson of Skanske Sweden. But my first question was one that you probably have too. Who are Skanske Sweden? Skanska's uh, slogan in the old days was we build everything everywhere. And in, the, in those days we had what we called Skanska International, which built dams and uh, airports and hospitals all over the world. Skanska Sweden is doing whatever is going on in Sweden. We do everything there. It's civil engineering, roads, harbors, railway and so on. And then we do uh, buildings, hospitals, schools. Uh, residential and, and so on. So so a little bit of everything. Gosh, yeah, that is a that is quite a range. Yeah, and we are the biggest construction company in Sweden and we are one of the biggest in the world. So Could you name drop some of the projects that you've worked on or that Skanska Sweden has worked on? One that we are proud of is of course LaGuardia Airport in New York. In Sweden we built the Karolinska Hospital which is Sweden's largest hospital. That sounds fantastic and such a such a range because building a hospital is so different to building a bridge to building a modular home wow oh yes so take me back a bit and when did you start working with abb and why okay it goes back to uh end of 2014 where we realized that the word of getting the construction industry to be more efficient has been out there for a long time and our solution to efficiency was to start using robots in in the production. And it started with a project, the Stockholm Ring Road, which is now finalized, where we were uh, manufacturing, you know, rebar cages, the the steel that goes into concrete structures. So what we did was we we manufactured those rebar cages on site, but manually. Uh And by, by just doing that, instead of buying bar by bar, I think we reduced the time by six months or something. Then the idea was born to why don't we on site build these things, but with robots instead of uh, human beings. Because normally these cages, they're made off site and then brought on, aren't they? Yes, that's one way of doing it. Uh, but, But that's not very environmental friendly because you transport then these big cages, which is basically transporting air by ship and by trucks. 
it happens, but uh, mostly you you buy each steel piece piece by piece, and then you you mount them on site manually. Okay, okay, and that's where the robots came in. Yeah, which is very uh, extremely time consuming and also a, a bad environment for people to work in. We saw that we could win a lot of time, and one should also remember that manufacturing these rebar cages for any concrete structure. In this case, it was a concrete tunnel, but it could be houses or whatever needs uh, reinforcement. It's always on the critical line. Mm -hmm. So so it's always time critical, this type of work. From the experience from that project and the knowledge that this is always time critical, we started looking at rebar cages. So that's the reason. And then, of course, we wanted to have robots involved. So it was quite naturally to go to ABB. We have a a strong collaboration with ABB in, in other fields. I mean, we build buildings for them and they, they sell things to us. So we, we have been working with them for a long time. So it was quite natural to go to ABB. They then pointed out on university in Westeros, which is called Mälardalens högskola. They have a center of excellence called Robotdalen, which means Robot Valley in Swedish. They also had people from ABB working at that center of excellence ABB then pointed at them and said, why don't you collaborate with them? Because there we also have ABB personnel. And that's how it started. It's been extremely successful, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been good friends since 2015, I, would, I think it is. You are developing with your partners robots that can construct um, rebar cages. What else could robots do in the construction world? And what else are they doing? Well, I think you you see more and more drilling robots that, let's say you make a concrete building and you don't make any holes while you are building it. So instead, you would send the robot into the building at night, drilling whatever holes you need in the the walls or in the ceiling or in the floor. Uh, So that's already taking place now. It's quite common. And that would be done by robots because, well, drilling, it's quite a slow process. Uh, it's quite monotonous and it's quite dusty. And and plus, the holes can be precisely programmed, I suppose. Yes. Uh, and uh, sometimes working at heights, which is good for the robots to do that. Another work that I know ABB are working with is, is mounting uh, wood for wooden houses, trusses and so on. I mean, that's already taking place today. Placing of bricks, placing of tiles uh, on floors or on walls. When it comes to tunneling, uh, also drilling holes in tunnels is a good um, place for, for robots to be used. So the future does look incredibly bright and there's just so much scope for robotics to be used to help the construction industry become sustainable. But what does the future hold? What are the biggest challenges as we move into this new era of construction? It was something I put to ABB's Andrea Cassoni for the final word. It's very difficult to imagine any other way, you know, to have construction tomorrow. It starts with the lack of resources of people. So so at the end, it will go right. Let's try to minimize the, the pain in getting to the point when it's right. So let's try to plan it right well from the beginning. So we must have an entire ecosystem, an entire industry moving together in the same direction. So architects, the maker of materials, construction in companies, uh, machinery companies. It's a pretty big effort, 
but somehow, if nothing else, the need for a more sustainable construction and the lack of labor will bring all of us there. So if I need to imagine a construction in the future, I would imagine a construction where somehow things are planned from the beginning to be made in an effective way. We don't waste material at all, zero waste. What we use is strictly what is needed, nothing more, and that uh, we can build uh, on-site effectively with the resources that are needed to complete the job with the minimum use of energy across the, the, the life uh, of a building. And it's all driven by this need that we've got at the moment with that increased urbanization, with the the lack of workers that are there in the industry, and also just in terms of the the need basically to build more buildings and not having the people to build them means that all the different companies in construction have that same problem, will work together and will make this innovation work. Yeah, I have no doubt it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Are you excited about the future? Yes, very much. It's going to be fun and interesting <laughs> for all of us. This industry has been with, with, with mankind since the beginning, right? Mm. And now in our generation, I guess, we'll see a major change. I think this is exciting. He is really exciting. He is totally right. And in particular, I am excited. I don't know why. Maybe it's my love of concrete, but this this 3D printing really excites me. I suppose not just from a sustainable housing point of view, but when you can use it for things that you don't expect, like like the bridges. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. And I can't wait to see where it goes. <laughs> but I suppose I am going to have to wait because that is it for this week's episode. A massive thank you to Daniela Mittenberger, Andrea Cassoni, Sharjay Bouchan and Ulf Hackerson. Next week, it's all about education. How are robots transforming how students learn and preparing them for the world of work? Well, you'll find out next week. I'm Fran Scott. This is the Robot Podcast, which is a fresh air production for ABB. Follow or subscribe now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Part of the ABB Decoded series. 